Good morning, E3. I am Pastor Mike. Happy Mother's Day. This is one of the few times of the year I get to abuse my power. And shameless plug, Ricky, Mom, you two are the best. <sighs> Why are you applauding the man on Mother's Day? <laughs> anyway, uh, this is week five of our series, Fill in the Blank, where we've been using these kind of Mad Lib-style sentences to explore this idea that Jesus invites us through his story to rewrite some of the most important internal stories that we hold about ourselves, God, and other people. And today, we're going to be turning towards the other people part, which is probably, if I had to guess, where a lot of you have the most messed up stories. I know I do. Other people are the worst. <laughs> but Jesus believes that that attitude needs to change. We're going to be exploring it through a pretty simple sentence. I blank my neighbor. You see, Jesus believes how we fill out this sentence might be more important than any other sentence we hold. You see, in our scripture from Mark 12, he really dives into this. This religious scholar approaches Jesus and asks, what do you consider to be the most important commandment from God's law, the Old Testament? Which is a pretty common question in Jesus' day. But Jesus' response is fascinating, if you noticed. He says, the most important one is this. And then he recites what is called the Shema, which is a famous prayer of the Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Essentially, love God with everything. But then he doesn't stop there. He cites a commandment from Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he closes, there is no commandment, singular, greatest, greater than this one. It's radical. He takes two commandments, combines them, and calls them one commandment. He says they're inseparable. Loving God means loving others. How you treat others is how you treat your God. Period. End of story. And getting that right, Jesus believes, is at the heart of the entire law. It's at the heart of the entire purpose of his kingdom. Remembering that is crucial. And I could talk about that by myself, but that doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. If we're going to talk today about how we relate to others and how we treat others, the solo act isn't really up for par. So instead, I'm going to invite up some leaders of our community. I'm going to invite up Jay Vancher. She is one of our growth group leaders and a key leader in our She3 ministry. I'm going to invite up Dan Bellamy, who you just met, who ruined my week by telling everyone to contact me, our interim student ministry leader and our wise council member. And we're going to have a dialogue just about how Jesus might be inviting us to rewrite and reorient ourselves and how we fill out the center. I sentence, I blank my neighbor. So welcome them up. If you guys could join me to the stage. And I'll try to be nice to them. Try. <laughs> Thank you. Be nice to me, Mike. Well, you didn't really uh, earn that, but our God is a God of grace, isn't he? God tells you to love me anyway. <laughs> I hate you so much. Uh, so uh, we're just going to dive in. I, I think one of the really cool frameworks I've always been drawn to for thinking about spirituality is kind of 
who was I, what happened, and who am I now? And that's kind of what we're gonna use for our dialogue today. So I just wanna start off with, what's a broken way that you've kind of filled out this sentence that we're using this week? How did it impact how you related to other people? Yeah, I'll, I'll dive right in there for you, Mike, and I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna build up to telling you the broken word that I fill it in with. Is, is that okay? Yeah, but I'll let you do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking liberties, Mike, I'm taking liberties. Uh, no, I, as some of you know, I was uh, full-time ministry on churches uh, for a long time. And uh, the last church that I served full-time for a while, when I stepped into that church, almost from the first week I arrived, there were, there were some broken dynamics with the way the leadership functioned. And within the first five or six months, it became clear that there were also some broken dynamics within the youth ministry and you know I, I kind of fancied myself as likable and like I could work through anything but sometimes the relationships just get broken and you can't seem to fix it and so I, I spent several years in this context and and outlasted some things I, I hope helped to repair some things but over the process uh, for those of you who are Enneagram fans I have a hard time telling whether I'm a seven who's the enthusiast and just wants to have fun all the time. Uh, there's more to the sevens than that. Or, or a nine who's the peacemaker and never wants to be involved in any conflict. And the bad thing is my, my eight wing, and Mike, I know you're an eight. Uh, my eight wing is strong too, and that's the one that's kind of uh, kind of justice-oriented, wants to do right. You combine all three of these things in that context, and I... I did not handle it well. You weren't having fun. There was no peace meeting. Yeah, yeah. It was critical. Everything (laughs) was wrong. And so in that process, that was so difficult Mm. for me. Um, Now, I think it would have been challenging for anybody, but especially with my personality, that I would say I grew to fear people. Mm. And so I would say I fear my neighbor from that context. Yeah. Like, whether they'll accept you, whether they'll like you, yeah. Right, well, they, what's this interaction going to be like? Am I going to make somebody else mad by doing something I thought I was doing okay at? And it was just very exhausting, very draining. When I imagine distrust, too. Like, can I trust people? Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay. Um, especially when someone, because m- most of the time there were some people who, and it's hard to see that in, in that context, but there were people who from the time I started to the time I finished up at that church and beyond were phenomenal supporters. But I tell you, it's like they say, you know, one negative thing is equal to like eight or ten positive things. It's very much like that. You know, I'll say four-fifths of the people connected to that ministry really did have my back. But man, that other 20%, uh, yeah, it does create distrust. It does. Yeah. Now I feel bad for ribbing you so hard. It's okay, Mike. <laughs> I, you're bringing back some of those old issues, but, but you know, 70 times 7, man. That's yep. how many times Jesus told me to forgive you. How about you, Jay? Well, uh, this was a hard question for me to answer, but I decided to go with 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If, I think probably most of y'all came through 2020, and we had things like, COVID and political unrest and um, social justice issues and 
there was just a lot going on last year. Um, and when COVID hit, I had just been six months out of receiving cancer treatment. So with COVID, I was pretty much convinced I was gonna die if I came into contact with anyone. Um, so that kind of colored everything and then everything just went downhill from there because things just kept happening, wave after wave after wave. And there were so many experts on every topic and um, so many opinions. And I ended up being, um, my words that I came up with were disappointed by my brother. I was appalled by my brother. And I'm not talking about my physical brother. I'm talking about <laughs> the world. Um, people here at church, people um, at work, my family, my friends. I mean, there was something because not everybody believed the same thing that I did about all those things. So, and I didn't understand why. I didn't understand, therefore, they must be wrong. And that's why I was appalled by and judgmental of. And eventually, what it ended up doing for me was making me just avoid my neighbor. Yeah. That way, I didn't have to deal with it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, well, I don't like, that's not the right word. I am, uh, re I relate to the word judge there, where there's something about when you're separated from other people, it's so easy to simplify them into a caricature, almost like a cartoon of yeah. what they believe. Judge them and then treat them accordingly. Did you, I mean, do you feel like that happened over the season? Do you oh, feel definitely, like definitely. Um, and then it just got, so I was also fearful to talk to people because I really didn't want to know what they felt about any, whatever issue of the moment was, um, because I didn't, I am also a peacemaker, <laughs> but I was also righteously indignant about certain things. So it was just tough. Yeah. No, I think one of the, you know, I do a lot of 12-step recovery work, and one of those, the hard parts in the 12 steps is identifying character defects, and um, if you know me, maybe you'll be surprised. Judgmentalism is very high on my character defect list, and, and it comes from that righteous indignation. It comes from a very black and white thinking. I'm right, these other people are wrong, and then I'm just constantly trying to put people above me and below me on some value list of my own creation, and it just shatters my relationships because I can never accept someone as like a fully-fledged human being who is both wrong and right, who is both deserving of love and sometimes very frustrating, right? Um, so again, I relate to the judgmentalism. A little too much, didn't need that today. Um, I guess the second question is a good follow-up to that, Jay, and that is how do you feel like Jesus has challenged, you know, that, the way you filled out that sentence, either with his teachings or his story? Well, the verse today. Yeah. He's caused us to love him with all our minds, heart, strength, and soul, and I was not doing that. I was not focused on him. I was focused on everything else and everyone else. Um, I just can't live life that way. It doesn't work for me. It probably doesn't work for most people. Um, and because I wasn't focused on him, all of the quality, all of that 
qualities, the poor qualities, all of the, the sin in me came out. You know, I was judging. I was um, disgusted by, appalled by all these people. So how could I love them? That's the second part of the commandment. How could I love them? So I had to focus on God. That was the only way that I could get through it. Otherwise, it was just an impossible year. Yeah. Now, I wasn't many, many times I wasn't successful in that. But when I was able to, I was able to look at everyone's reactions through the eyes of God who loved each of these people who were letting me down, who were not agreeing with me, who were making poor decisions. But I was able to look at them with love through his eyes and have some compassion and, and maybe wonder more why they were thinking the way that they were thinking. Yeah, that, that, is, that hits where if you take a second to actually think of them as human beings instead of jumping to that judgment, actually, if you just ask a question before you form a statement about the person and then set it in concrete, they are this way, instead say, why? Are they this way? Yeah. Why are they behaving? The, yeah. How much more compassion comes out of that space? Yeah. I always love the other famous teaching where he says, love your enemies. Jesus does. And, you know, I always got taught growing up that that's like a warm, fuzzy feelings, right? Where it's like, hey, have warm feelings for your enemies, which doesn't make any sense for Jesus' audience because their enemies are Rome and Rome is crucifying people. And it's like, I don't think Jesus is like, hey, feel really nice things. And then I learned that that word is agape, and it's a lot more about will, and it's a lot more about worldview, and it's like, it's a lot more about look at a human being, see that they have inherent dignity in the eyes of God, and then make a choice to seek their blessing regardless of their character. And I think that speaks to that, where that, that's both nice that I don't have to always like the people that maybe I disagree with or are hurting me or whatever, but it's also more challenging because God is like, they are a child of mine, and whether you feel good about them or not, you will seek their blessing. You will seek their good because that's who I am and that's who I call you to be. Um, well, was, yeah, if I can throw in a thought, I think that's especially challenging our culture because our culture is one that we really are prone to make love such a shallow thing. And we don't think about just how difficult it is to really love. I mean, when you look at the love chapter of Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 12, um, I've heard that at a wedding before. Yeah, once or twice at a wedding. Uh, and it's hard, even at a wedding, we think about how sweet it is, but it's hard to, because I've, 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 I've shared it at a wedding before, because <laughs> it's a classic. Called you um, twice now. <laughs> but, I mean, love is patient. How hard is it actually to be patient? Especially when people are saying something that, I'll say for me, whether I'm right or wrong, if someone says something that, if I'm frank, sounds idiotic to me, you know, whether I'm right or wrong, it's hard to be patient with that, especially in our social media world where you're not interacting with the person in real life day in and day out to appreciate how much more there is to them than the thing they're posting on their wall. But love is patient. Being kind to people you don't want to be kind to like, it's easy to be nice to people who are nice to you. You know, Jesus even kind of mentions that type of concept. 
doesn't envy in our culture you know envy is like at the center of what we do <laughs> we look at rich people and all they have we follow their instagrams and want to be them uh doesn't boast bragging is such a tempt so anyway the uh real context of love in our culture that's made love so superficial so much more challenging when we think about what agape love really means yeah and then like what is the symbol of love in the new testament like read the book of john he's like it's christ on the cross it is sac ultimate self-sacrifice for the good and the blessing of others yeah and you're like maybe love isn't warm and fuzzy feelings if john is pointing to the crucifixion and the self-sacrifice and the grace embodied there and saying that's what love is right yeah that's how you should be pouring yourself out i don't know do yeah. you have any thoughts on that jay oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about the cross, Jay? <laughs> well, yeah, just laying your life down. I, I did not lay my life down for any of those people yeah. who mm. disagreed with me, <laughs> you know. <sighs> Preach. How about you with the, the fear? How did, how did Jesus challenge that? Oh, as far as how it progressed. I, and it was difficult because, and I think this is, I think it's often true on our Christian journey. You know, especially, and I know we've got folks who grew up in church and folks who didn't, but in either case, I think there are a lot of moments when you know the right answer, but it's still a journey with God that is ongoing to to live out the right answer. Yeah, yeah, you know? real quick. My favorite Pauline verse is, I know what I should do and I don't do it. I know what I yeah. shouldn't do and I yeah. do it. I'm like, I relate to Paul on that verse. I, I feel yeah. it. I, uh, I think of the guy who came to Jesus for healing for his son. Jesus is like, if you believe, he'll be healed. And the guy's like, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get it. And, but Jesus heals his son. You know, his son does get healed. Um, so when I, when I think of the fear I developed, I think of, like, every time God shows up or an angel shows up representing God in the Bible, like, the first thing is, fear not. <laughs> you know, so God is showing up. And if, there's nothing more powerful than God. But because God loves us so much, the message even there is fear not. So in that context, I certainly shouldn't be afraid of other people. I know my weakness. They're weak, just like I'm weak. Uh, it's difficult. I, in that role, you know, we kind of came to a point. I did outlast most of the big stressors. I actually did. But I was, I was so burnt out by the end of it. And I wasn't, I wasn't quite a fit with the direction that we got some new leaderships. I outlasted some of the leadership issues, and, and I wasn't quite a fit there. So really, when I left that position, I was in a lot of ways empty. And gratefully, God had a direction for me that I love. And frankly, you know, I've, I've got this ministry where I travel and do weird things with balloons for, for those who don't Maybe know. Maybe reword that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to reword that. <laughs> I've got a ministry called Inflatable Stories that I use large-scale balloon sculptures to connect people to Scripture and the Bible. Thank you, Mike, for having my back. Uh, well, I feel embarrassed. No, so anyway. God is God. Uh, but I love doing this ministry, and I get a chance to both be connected to my home community but also share Christ in a unique and fun way all over the place. I would not have taken on that challenge were it not for the bumpy road mm. that I traveled 
uh, to get here. And so many times I feel like the journey with Christ is like that. Yeah. That, that we look forward and we look at our present and we imagine the future as bad as it can be. And even though we know we're supposed to have faith, everything feels catastrophically broken. And I say that from the point of, of even now, there are days where I really feel on top of things and I feel sharp. And there are other days that I'm like, I don't know where that guy from yesterday went, but I'm, I'm not getting it today. You know, I'm struggling. But, but God is, is with me on this journey, and I see God moving in it as I look back and see the progress. And I'll tell you, it's been a process of healing over the years. And a lot of that... Now, I want to throw this in there. I feel like I'm, I, I'm and I want to hear what you have to say. You've got great insights over there. I feel like I'm hogging the floor. Um, but on the journey as Christians, I think one of the easiest things to happen is to get broken in the church and run away from it. Because while in the church, we should be the very best at loving people like Christ. But we're broken. We are. We're, we're humans. We are broken we we have sin we we make mistakes and i think but because we should get it right i think when you experience the brokenness and hurt inside church i think sometimes it can be even more damaging and the temptation is to flee instead of finding a way to re-engage in healthy church community to to be present in that and allow to grow god to grow you past that in community well and similarly I ended up, remember I said that I just wanted to avoid people, and um, because of COVID, there was a lot of isolation. I mean, I used to do um, She 3 on Wednesday mornings, and we had our growth group, and we just, I had all these things I was involved in, and the only thing that we ended up with, um, we did continue our Tuesday night growth group via Zoom, and we've continued it the whole time, and it was really a lifeline for me. I discovered that um, I need other Christians in my life, and just hearing how God is working in their lives, I just need to stay connected to Christian community. It's part of the way that I grow in my relationship with God, and by isolating myself, by avoiding people, that was harder to do. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a reason not to keep harping on 12 steps, but they always say isolation is the first step towards your first drink or your first relapse. And and I think you could replace that with any emotional character defect too. Isolation is the first step towards me diving back into judgmentalism, towards me diving back into pride, towards me diving back into self-loathing, self-pity, all these things. And right? walking farther away from God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's how God really has challenged me and Jesus' story has challenged me on my own judgmentalism is a verse like this and, and many like it are just constantly reminding me that the separation I see between me and other people, whether that's moral superiority, whether that's value, whether that's dignity, whether even the negative side, whether that's my own, you know, debauchery or I'm somehow worse than someone else. Jesus is constantly like, that's a delusion. You are no better, you are no worse than anyone else. You're just one of the herd, but the good news is that the herd is equally loved. 
and abundantly loved. Mm -hmm. And it's that weird paradox of like, you are not different than anyone else, but you're also just as loved as everyone else. And that shatters my ability to judge, right? Because um, when I look at someone and I don't see separation, I just see union, myself, I, or I see Christ. When right. I look at someone, I say, this is right. the face of God. How could I judge them? And what right do I have? And also the trust, am I trusting that there is a God who does have the ability to judge, to do what I cannot? I, I don't know, I find so much more peace there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I love it. I love it. I mean, not the judgmentalism part but I love it. Um, so we have a few more minutes, and I just kind of want to close by just rethinking maybe from this conversation how we might rewrite that sentence. So the sentence, I blank my neighbor, how do you feel like God has been challenging you in this season to rewrite that? How would you fill that out now? Well, I'll dive in first here. Uh, for me, you know, it's it's like the old joke where what's, you know, asked in Sunday school, what's fuzz, has a fuzzy tail and climbs and jumps through trees? And the kids are like, well, I, it sure sounds like a squirrel to me, but I know the answer's Jesus. Uh, well, you know, in this case, it's simply love, which I know is the theme of our verse today. I, but I would fill it in with, I love my neighbor, knowing the context of how big love really is when we understand love well uh, and it's not easy to do I, I could have said that answer before I went through everything I went through but it's just constantly coming back to God and saying God help me to love my neighbor uh, because sometimes loving our neighbor is not easy some, uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Rarely. sometimes. Some, sometimes Once in a while, somebody does something that's upsetting. But, but yeah, simply to find a way to love my neighbor well. And you know what? I'm going to fall short of that. They're going to fall short of that. So part of that is to pick up after we've had a conversation that felt broken and where we came away wondering how the other was even a logical human but somehow it's coming away from that and still finding a way to go you know what we're going to love one another especially in church community because we've undoubtedly got you know for every person in this room and online we've undoubtedly got at least one thing that every one of us could get in a, in a really intense argument about if we weren't careful to keep it in context of love yeah i'm on social media i see you guys you do it. Um, how about you, Jay? <laughs> I only read the social media. I never oh, post. Me too. You're wise. Me too. I just, you're, you're I'm, wise. I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer, and I agree, is just to love people. And I feel like as I, um, as I grow deeper in my relationship with Christ, um, I feel like he just kind of, he grows me, and we're like, okay, okay, we're doing great. We're doing great. And then he throws a new challenge at me. because Not because he's trying to just play games with me, but because he knows I have more to learn. I have more to give up. Um, I have more to love. So that's what I 
and just want to do is I just want to try and learn to love people right where they are. I just want to love people. Yeah. Not be afraid of them, not judge them, um, just love them. And that just looks different for every person that you come into contact with and every situation. So just I have to rely on God and his Holy Spirit in me to transform me so that I can love people the way God wants me to and yeah. reflect his love to them. Yeah, I think I'll just stick with love, but, you know, it's this, it's a form of acceptance. I like what you said right where they're at, where, you know, you can have a, someone you love and you can know something's broken and that they're hurting and it's not good for them. And if you have the relational right, you can talk to them but at the same time to sit there and recognize I'm not in control of this person. I may not even know what's best for this person. All I can do is in as close to God as possible, seek their good in the most kind and compassionate, non-envious way possible. And so much of that's right-sizing. Me saying, I, I might not know. I don't even know what's wrong with me half the time. Um, and let me bring that humility into how I accept in a God-like way Again, that doesn't excuse, but under, seeks to understand, seeks to be compassionate, mm -hmm. seeks to give grace, right? Can I throw in a thought, Mike? No. No, you're going we're to. done. We're done. It's over. Real quick. Uh, Close this out. A piece of loving our neighbor that I feel like is worth mentioning is remembering to love ourselves. Yeah, can't give away what you don't you know, have. Right? I, and I feel like that's really easy to miss, especially when things seem to be falling apart. So, but we've got to understand how to love ourselves to understand how to love our neighbor. Yeah, so. it goes back to what Jay says. Focus on how God loves you and recognize that you can only give away what you already have received. And I think that's, that is a great way to close. Y'all have been the best. Can you give them a round of applause, y'all? Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. And uh, now is when you... Uh, I'm gonna leave now. Yeah, you gotta Okay, go. thanks, you Mike. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay you can't here. can't stay so. here. <laughs> Vacate the stage. Okay, y'all, we're going to have one last worship song before we do. Um, we're going to pray out, and as you do, just reflect on how you might need to rewrite that sentence and how you might need to change how you treat your neighbor, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for being a God that loves, not in some abstract or purely emotional way, but in a way that truly seeks our good, a way that redeems a way that is physical, self-sacrificial, a way that you showed on the cross. God, we thank you that we don't have to be in control, that we don't have to be the judge, that we actually don't have to do a lot to make this universe go, that all you ask for us or of us is to love our neighbor as ourselves and that you'll handle the rest. Help us love like you, Lord. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.